I'm gonna tell you what it is, okay? It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up, okay? Yeah, I suppose Sandra Bullock is Miss Ethnicity, right? Well, no, all I'm saying is that the horror genre is historical for excluding African American elements. Well, look how you get your PhD in black cinema, sister soldier. Happy holidays, everyone. Shardy here. And this episode is a very, very special episode because it is, um, for the first time, hosted by Lynn and Isleba, who are two out of just a few of our Afro Horror admins over at the clubhouse and in general. Um, and they're talking about the killing of the sacred deer. And this is just a sneak peek into what the future of what Afro Horror is going to look like. I am still around. I'm still here. But I'm definitely the intention of this podcast was to always amplify other black horror voices. So this is a great treat for you all to see other hosts come on board and talk about some of their favorite movies uh, without me involved. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, these fans, these horror fans, my friends, um, are really great people. They also do horror 101 sessions over at the clubhouse. If you're not on clubhouse, there's a reason to join there because we do have a little group going on. And, uh, this is a long episode. So I think you'll have a really, really great time with their content. Uh, and we'll be back for maybe one more episode before the year rounds out. I'm trying to see if we can make it happen. Um, and we're getting ready for season four. So enjoy. I'm gonna tell you what it is, okay? It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up, okay? Yeah, I suppose Sandra Bullock is Miss Ethnicity, right? Well, no, all I'm saying is that the horror genre is historical for excluding African-American elements. Well, look how you get your PhD in black cinema, sister soldier. you i haven't seen you in a couple of minutes so <laughs> today and super excited to talk about the killing of a sacred deer i i'm so excited as well because we've been planning this for months and right. finally we got it so i'm glad that i get to talk about it with you um and i know it's hopefully going to be a good discussion based on the discussion we had the other day Right. Yeah. So no, I, I know it's going to be a great discussion because I know we're both a 24 whores and mm-hmm. we, we love the weird and the strange and the bizarre. So this is right down our alley. So yes, very excited. I love it. So before we do talk about this lovely movie, I wanted to ask you, what are your plans for the holidays? Because if I'm not mistaken, this should be coming out right before the holidays, right? Yeah, that is correct. I think that is what Charday told us. So yeah, mm-hmm. right holidays. So I, so yes, um, I am going to be at home this holiday season. Um, looking forward for my daughter to come and visit me, uh, and just chill with her. Probably take her ice skating and do some Ooh. other holiday cheer stuff. 
Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I mean, every year I look forward to the holiday season and then realize it's like a week. <laughs> and then I got to get back to work. So it's, yeah. it's, but I am looking forward to it. So what about you? I am going to my cousin's house this year. Uh, so she volunteered her house. I'm excited for that because that means I don't have to cook. So we're going there. We're doing Secret Santa. That's exciting. Though I think I'm probably doing it for my own game because niggas are expensive. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. And just spending some time with my family. I got my booster today. So I'm collecting all these shots like I'm Thanos. Right. Um, I'm already spend time with my family I'm like give me all the dosages everything you can give me because I didn't see them last year so it's the first time we're all going to be gathered together for the holidays okay okay yeah I, I I can dig it I I'm collecting all my vaccines too I got my flu and my booster so I'm all vaxxed up ready to go so uh for all these viruses that's running out here or armor fine uh delta uh all the all of them so I'm all, of that are <laughs> all of the viruses coming out so yeah um but i'm excited um yeah. so i guess before we do this i mean this is both of our first time doing this podcast thing even though we do host rooms on clubhouse so it's kind of similar in the way where we are used to having conversations but not just seeing each other um yeah. Uh, but I guess we can introduce ourselves to the uh, to the listeners and viewers out there that don't know who, who we are uh, so we can kind of get them uh, just accustomed to who we are and maybe we'll be back. Sounds like a plan. Did you want to start it off? Um, sure. I'll start it off. So I am, my name is Asaba Green. Green. Um, I kind of fluctuate because I I'm I, I am green green in my prior life I'm Okim now I'm recently divorced so I have I have two I have identity issues with trying to figure out what my last name is but uh I typically go by green because that's that's the the name I go by usually and it's on all my stuff I haven't gotten it switched over but um I I am um I host a lot of uh, rooms on Clubhouse in Afro Horror Spaces, the Afro Horror Club. Um, I am a writer. I'm working on a, a book of short stories, short horror stories, and an actual novel that is not related to horror. Um, but I'm looking forward to hopefully getting those out next year. Um, and hopefully, I, you know, people can read it and enjoy my art. So looking forward to that. But when I'm not doing that stuff, I'm I'm, you know, in the military. Uh, hopefully, I'll be retiring soon, and so just really excited to be here and to be able to talk and talk about my love of horror. I loved it, and I can't wait for you to retire so you can spend all of your time with me and keep <laughs> me. <laughs> but I am Lynn. I'm gonna try and say my last name, but I'm Lynn Onyambu. Um, just call me Lynn. Um, I love horror. So I, and it's a great thing that I do because I wouldn't have been able to find you lovely people on Clubhouse if I didn't um, and, and being able to share the Afro horror space with y'all. Um, like you, I'm also writing a book of, I won't call it short stories, but just kind of little poems and stuff throughout my life. Some horror, some not. I've told you about 
uh, my horror stories from being, you know, in my childhood. So I'm just going to include a little bit of those in there. Might as well make money from my trauma. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I'm usually in the, I'm, I'm not in the horror field per se, but I just, I share, you know, we have a mutual love of horror and I love that I get to talk about it with you guys almost every day. So yeah. yeah. Yes. Where can people find you so they can be updated on your life and when your book is going to come out? Yeah, so I am on, I'm on Facebook as a, a Saber Okim, uh, Okim being O-K-I-M, and then I am on Instagram as uh, All Hail Queen Saber, um, mm-hmm. being on a Saber, so just Saber. Um, so you can find me on Instagram or Facebook because that's where I will actually be uh, promoting when I actually release my book and stuff. So, um, writing under my pen name, um, uh, Abisa Miko. Okay. All right. I love that pen name, but, um, you can find me nowhere. No, just kidding. You can find me on Instagram at aspiring dreamer. You can request to follow me, whether I accept it, that is left <laughs> to be known because I've barely checked my requests. And you can try and find me on Facebook, but I try to avoid Facebook because I never see the news until two weeks later. So it's kind of pointless. (laughs) Just just look me up on Instagram. I will do my best to answer any follows if you decide to, you know, you enjoy what I'm saying and the shit that comes out of my mouth. I will will go ahead and accept your follow request. But um, I'm glad that I'm here with you once again. Like I said, you are, don't tell anybody, this is hush hush, but you're one of my favorite people. My favorite. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you go ahead, you wanna go ahead and get started? Yeah, of course, let's go ahead and and, 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 uh, start this off. First, I wanna ask you, Mm -hmm. so when the first, when was the first time you watched Killing of a Sacred Deer? So I had started it a really long time ago and I'd always been like, I think I, I'd, I'd watched it after I'd watched The Favorite and I was like, Yorgos Lanthimos, interesting character. I enjoyed The Favorite, wasn't my favorite, but I enjoyed The Favorite um, and I wanted to just kind of go through the list of all of his, you know, all of his films so I could just get a more of a feel for him as a director and I started watching it and then I stopped like about midway through and I hadn't completely finished it until a couple of weeks ago okay so yes I'm you know I'm terrible at that I start stuff and then I'm like oh I should probably finish this so I finished it and then rewatched it again the day before we rewatched it and then this is gonna be um so we did the, the third time watch and I think I did a fourth time watch the other day as well okay so I've watched this twice. Um, the first time I watched with you, I mean, I watched before, like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I remember when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is just so bizarre. I had to kind of, kind of look up stuff to see, mm-hmm. like, like if it aligned with kind of what I was thinking. And for the most part, I'm kind of spot on with that stuff. So it was, for me, it was very bizarre in a way where, um, I could follow because you know some movies are not they're they're bizarre but you can't really follow the logic mm-hmm. if, 
like Mother. Mother is one of those movies that is bizarre, but you can't really follow exactly what's going on unless you look it up and they'd be like, oh, okay, it's this biblical allegory. Um, mm-hmm. But with, with um, you know, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, it was easy for me to kind of follow uh, the logic of it. Um, and then after I watched it again with you the other night and we had a discussion, a lot of stuff was like, it's funny how many times you watch it, it's just the stuff just continues to, uh, come out and you, it's like you watching this stuff and it's like you know how you see like little things like come out and it's like oh I didn't mm-hmm. see it before so I'm excited to be watching it again with you today so we can kind of give our live commentary to you know the viewers so this is gonna be fun I'm excited I'm excited that we're doing this movie commentary style because you know I had a lot to say last time my beef with Steven will continue and I know I'm gonna find some this time around that pisses me off yes yeah all right so we all so what we're gonna do is we will so the viewers the viewers and the listeners i hear you know i know that everybody won't know that we're doing this because Mm -hmm. they're not all seeing this but we are going to switch and so that we can cut on our movie uh our movie and play it at the same time that way we can give live commentary while we're giving some kind of you know feedback for the viewer I mean for the listeners and the viewers that's watching this podcast so um you ready I'm ready okay let's go ahead I'm gonna take, pick up my phone and let's see what we got here uh 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 uh, uh. need some elevator music right now so I can put it okay. I'm gonna trap elevator music dun, 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 okay dun, dun, dun. Ready? One. I'm just cutting off my career. Go. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> ready? Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. One, one, two, three. Go. Okay. So we get the part where A24 is coming on. Putting mm-hmm. my phone back down. This is a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. With phone is hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another thing. I was like, damn, this is a long ass movie. And for it to be as kind of um because it's kind of melodramatic. Mm-hmm. And because it's melodramatic, you have to kind of stay in sync because you it will almost put you to sleep because it is literally like we'll talk about this, like with the robotic kind of behavior and acting. It is like it will it's like white noise it will put you to sleep yeah. if you don't you will miss a lot of stuff too because there's a lot of stuff that goes in that's going on mm-hmm. in this so so yeah so um because like we were you know discussing was it last week or two weeks ago that if you do not buy in to the way that your ghost does his dialogue with with a lot of his films the robotic delivery of them it's going to be a struggle for you right. to get because you have to invest in the way that he's choosing um, to write his films and the way that it plays off on screen. And then once you buy into it, it's a little bit easier to, you know, kind of watch through along the movie and be invested in, in the world. Cause he, you know, his aim feels like he doesn't want you to be too invested in the characters as characters per se. That's why everybody's delivering lines the way that they are, right. but you're still invested in why the fuck is everything so alien like in this movie don't understand 
yeah. but we get it it's not yeah. yes so, I, I do like thing. so what we heart. got at the heart because because mm-hmm. we got um Stephen Murphy is the father mm-hmm. um and he is a I want to say is he a sur- he's a surgeon isn't he yes yeah so the heart I, I, you know, and the thing about this movie is everything is so symbolic, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of meaning to a lot of, you know, the fact that he kind of uh, carries life and death in his mm-hmm. hand as far as being a surgeon. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the movie deals with, with your like kind of, uh, because you have that responsibility, you have to pay for Yes. You, have the responsibility but with great responsibility uh, comes great like you know challenge to kind of your responsibility <laughs> great power comes great responsibility that's what yeah. I was trying to so yeah so in this movie I think that's like kind of ep- epitomizes that statement because he is literally holding people's lives in his hands as he uh like goes about his his day with you know his surgeries and stuff I agree with that and, and I'm glad that you pointed that out because you know as we see in the movie um with the dialogue that he has with the anesthesiologist where they're kind of you know deflecting the blame back and forth but they literally show you at the beginning with him as a surgeon he is holding people's lives in his hand even though a lot of this movie is is played on the fact that he refuses to take responsibility right. for his act yeah so yeah. and I I love too that with the title, like you can, you know, kind of surmise just from the the meaning of the title, um, with it coming from the the Greek mythology of Iphigenia. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. If I butchered it, I don't know what you're going to do about it. Um, but the, I'm going to butcher the name too. The king, the daughter of King Artemis. Is it Agamemnon? Artemis is the Artemis is the god that is offended. Yeah, is who's offended by the killing of the sacred by- deer. Thank yeah. you, <laughs> the king's name is uh because it was a gun a gun or something a gun of mine i got a gun of mine i'll call him aj how you doing king aj from i think he was from trojan uh from um 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 because he was a trojan mm-hmm. uh so uh he was from um troy so yes. king King AJ from Troy. So, yes. yes. <laughs> Everybody go get nicknames because we're we're now with the scene with um <laughs> with Stephen and Martin and yeah. Martin played by we're gonna call him Barry K. Okay, because some of us um I'm not gonna name names. Me cannot say his name. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. So I Barry K. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we watched this last time, I wanted to. So this is the thing that I did not say. This boy with him eating this food, like everything, mm-hmm. he's like fucking this food up, and it's like it's one of those things where the way he eats the food is just so kind of off-putting, mm-hmm. grotesque. I don't know exactly what it is um and it also has to do with his facial features too I think we'll get into that too but the food thing I did just notice that now like the the opening scene where they are talking 
he is eating something and at just about every scene where he's like kind of interacting with um with steven he's yeah. at like kind of eating something yeah um, oh the the scene with the when he's eating the spaghetti he got sauce on his face i'm like i don't know if you so I, I read sauce. <laughs> yes he got it's a lot of going it's a lot going on with him in this food so yes um I think right now we're at the point where he is giving him a present and that's the watch. Well, yeah. Steve given um Michael a uh, Martin, sorry, Martin the um and watch because we see the the conversation they have in um towards the opening scene where he's walking with his friend and talking about the watch with him. Right, 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 right. Right. Um but I did, I really liked Colin Farrell in this role. <laughs> yeah, he really, yeah, he did a very good job in like, his acting style fit this role. So it yeah. was great. It was a great casting decision to get him mm-hmm. play this. It, it, it was just, just perfect. Him and Nikki Kidman. Can we talk about Nikki? Because we seeing Nikki on here where they having the dinner scene with the kids and stuff she has always she has always been just a wonderful actress she's one of my favorites uh, great range of of characters that she can play great range in which you know behaviors in which she can kind of act through so I really yeah. enjoy Nikki Kidman in this one specifically and she does a lot of psychological horror kind, kind of stuff uh, the mm-hmm. others um what's another one uh that she was in and I can't think off the top of it but um she was what? in oh, what's that one it's it's more thriller type but you know me through the one with um Colin Firth yes what was it's when she um uh he was actually killing he his uh, husband was a killer is that the one yeah. it's the one where um she has no memories of anything and he pretends that he's her uh, husband yeah 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 is it when i wake or before i when wake I, before i before i sleep or before i go before to sleep I, yeah 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 something like that okay yeah no that was actually a good one too it's another one that she's in it's a hbo limited series that her husband was a killer yeah do you know the name of it was it the undoing with the, Hugh Grant? Yeah. Grant, yes, yes. And that was an actually good one too. So she does these kind of roles perfectly. So yeah. what um, I do too though, like even though you know the, the characters are supposed to be all you know cold and all their delivery, some warmth does see through with yes. her. And I don't know if that's love for her, but it, it feels like in a lot of her interactions, especially with the kids, yes. there's some warmth slips through the you know cold like delivery yes of the yes especially with the whole um the 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 way the the picture tries to portray to the viewer that the family is such like kind of a well-to-do um you know uh kind of your traditional white suburban um Mm. type family uh that is very showy um very much for show performance mm-hmm. uh not really wanting to get into the root of like some of the 
the issues in their family. Um, so yeah, especially yeah. this part. This, <laughs> I'm not gonna shame. I'm not gonna king shame, but I think for this this particular thing, I should be allowed to king shame because yeah, I'm a king shame because she is she is literally laying on this bed like she's a she's a guy which is problematic i feel like and maybe like i was telling you before like maybe this i shouldn't be that offended because of the fact that at least they are because obviously steven has a problem like anytime you have sex with somebody that cannot give you consent that is an issue so so the fact that they are kind of, they have kind of worked out where they can kind of control this stuff. Yeah. I, I support that, but yeah. at the same time, there is some, there are some problems. So, yeah. but also too, you, you, you know, we had a good discussion once we get to, you know, why this scene is important in establishing yeah. that the, the dynamic that they have in the bedroom when it comes on, you know, later on and she's, you know, offering this up as this is what I can offer to right. you when they're making. <laughs> certain decisions um in the near (laughs) in the coming you know next hour or so it seems so person that's under anesthesia nobody else ever offer you this nobody else will do this okay i don't kick shame you okay this is your safe space in this bedroom so you better figure that out before you decide you're gonna kill my ass i'm telling you and you know what a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do so i respect it I, I respect because I am all for negotiating. So if, if that was her negotiating uh, tool, I'll have at it. She literally is the fuck them kids meme. Because the Michael <laughs> Jordan me like, fuck the kids. We can make other ones. Right. We're good. Right. You, We're good. So lay but out this, I will lay out you. <laughs> Who going to that? Exactly. <laughs> oh, my. Advantage um so let's talk about um let's talk about martin a little bit here because i yeah. for the we what we did not do and we forgot sorry viewers and listeners we did not do a synopsis of this movie so yes. we hope that you have watched it because we mm-hmm. are going to pull it because we are watching it and talking to you all now yes. but just to give you a little background so martin and steven's relationship is based off the fact that steven has killed his father in surgery correct Leanne? yeah so it's it's heavily implied even though you know throughout the movie it's going back and forth in in terms of responsibility but there's that heavy implication that he is responsible for his death um it was in surgery because he had been drinking uh, right perform you know prior to performing the surgery right so and he and so he has kind of um, taken on the risk. Well, and this is something we will discuss too, but mm-hmm. he, has, I guess he has assumed responsibility for kind of pacifying uh, Martin in this sense, yeah. with the fact that he feels responsible, obviously, but. But he's not going to outwardly say it because he, yeah, he's right. dressed it up as you know i'm just looking out for him he has some issues just trying to you know help him along make sure he's you know he's stable because he doesn't there's no you know father in the household so he he dresses it up as him you know being a good person but there are 
some nefarious uh, reasons underneath why he's, you know, trying to pacify Martin. Right. Yes. And can we talk about my little guy over here? Because, you know, I'm going to talk about it. And I forgot his name already. But I'm sorry, uh, little kid. Bob, they give the shorty and little stick. Is it Bob? It's Bob. Bob, Bob. Yes, Bob. Bob got, you know, he is the <sighs> poor kid never stood a chance. And just no. seeing him, because this scene, like, you know, kind of shows the dynamic of the children and the, the relationship the the children have because with the daughter um whose name is failing me right now too jesus christ um but with the daughter she's very pristine yeah kim she's very pristine she's very um i hate calling a child to pick me for the parents but in the end (laughs) in the end she is she's like pick me choose me love me um but she's the one who does her chores without you know being told she's over here practicing you know her singing very flat but she's practicing her singing for her dad (laughs) and Bob is you know the opposite of that where he has to be reminded to do this and he you know kind of drags his feet in terms of the rebel of the family he's like yeah so he's even though his line delivery is similar to the family in the very robotic way that he talks you see that rebellion in his actions or lack thereof in terms of doing you know his chores and not being very prim and proper the way that the rest of the family is presented right right no i yeah i agree um because the dad is a sur- is a is a surgeon and then uh anna is what is she she's a doctor she's like a <laughs> and so she's a um optometrist right optometrist yeah, yeah. but yeah optometrist so but both have prominent careers um mm-hmm. so of course you would think you know when you think of two individuals like that getting together and kind of having offspring you automatically assume their offspring is gonna be you know so bob i think is a direct reflection of how opposite kids can be yes when they're I mean even though their parents may be a certain way the, the kids are not like that and so mm-hmm. this is this is an accurate reflection of like kind of society and how family dynamics are in this situation for real so yeah. so into yeah. the like you pointed out like the the family dynamics that people have and how some are closer to another parent as opposed to the other because we can surmise from this that Bob is closer to the mom in wanting to you know be like her because he talks about wanting to be like her and then Kim favors the dad um, right in terms you know what she wants to do and kind of being very I'm going to do this I'm going to do what I'm told kind of thing right very uh, kind of uh kind of confirmation of uh like the Oedipus complex kind of like yeah. the way the dynamic between the daughter and the father and then the the them between bob and the mom so i agree with that and i liked that that last scene where um like i I, i'd said when we were having the discussion about the way in the beginning anna's you know the what she suggests is kind of thrown away and like put aside like nobody's really (laughs) listening to her you know um steve does that with her profession he basically when they're having a discussion when bob is bob is sick 
he, you know, kind of throws away her input. So it's, it's as if whatever she says is invalid. Um, and you see that happening with Matthew in that scene where Anna's like, no, Steve has to go home. He has to do this. And he disregards her. But Steven says it. And Matthew's like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. But then throughout the movie, you see him start to agree with what she's saying. And that's because the man wants a handy. So right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is looking forward to a hand job in the car. I think they last time, like kind of the escalation of that, because I think the first time where the mom had was saying something about the kind of alluding to the fact that Stephen was responsible for the death and mm -hmm. then the um the anesthesiologist did not agree with her and then like later on he's like oh yeah I can kind of see your point it's yeah. like you know the shift in like if you need help then I can do like a quid Yes. <laughs> yeah. A cost a dry handy in the front seat of the car, but I got you, girl. <laughs> I got you. Whatever you give me, as long as I get that handy, you know. Listen. So probably wanted more, but she was like, "Nah, I'm just gonna. You're gonna have to settle for this handy." <laughs> Men are easy, but you know what? Like I said, my girl Nikki has to do what she has to do in this film. She is Nikki, making it. Know, this is a. Yeah, and it's something that's usually frowned upon, right? Like women using their bodies, yeah. right? To make negotiations, but right. she knows what she has, she knows what, and I, I don't want to say it like she knows what she has to offer, but she knows what appeals to the men, right? And, and um, uses, uses that to harness her power because there's power in, you know what I'm saying? I know you like, like you said, people like to frown upon it and they're not mm -hmm. really, it's stigmatized a lot because it's mm -hmm. a one doing it uh but it is power in that and she knows how to harness her power good mm -hmm. for her you know good for her. <laughs> does it suck that you know in, in the midst of her harnessing her power and her trying to fight for her place in her life that she's like one of the kids could go it sucks but do I admire her you know tenacity I absolutely do <laughs> Nikki can right. do no wrong <laughs> right 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 yeah so we're here in the um, scene where Martin first joins them for dinner. Yes. And he's talking to, um, you know, he's in the room with Kim and Bob and the conversation of Kim's period comes up again because they first bring it up when it's, you know, with Matthew and um, Anna and Stephen when they're at that kind of conference thing. Yes. And here again. And you had a good point that I, I would love for you to bring up again as to why that is a reoccurring conversation well I, I the what I said and the, the, the I hope I said the same thing because I'm trying to remember what I said when we talked the first time <laughs> but I think what is happening here is that they're trying to establish um some type of purity um yes. has you know uh your menstrual cycle is associated with you um you know uh, being clean and being pure so once you are mm -hmm. your menstrual cycle you can pretty much um so and I will take it a little bit farther I know I didn't say this but so uh if, when you're talking about sacrifices especially if you're talking about Greek mythology because yes. I, I was 
nostalgia buff, um, uh, most of the sacrifices were virgin women. So mm. have your if you have your period, it means you're a woman and you're a virgin. And so once you get it, that is like the prime, kind of the prime time yeah. actually be sacrificed, if, if you will. So I think that's why, that's just the theory. I think that's why it keeps coming up um, to try to like, uh, like to kind of the give the viewers to allude to the fact of who may be first with this whole sacrificing thing um I agree uh, with that yeah I, I think it was especially because it keeps coming up I think that when you rewatch it again you're like yeah Bob really never stood a chance because <laughs> <laughs> Kim was never gonna be the one to go Kim was never gonna be the one to go they've been telling beating us over the head with it we just have we're like why did you talk about this girl's period and they're basically you know like you said pointing out that she is not going to be the, the sacrifice Bob Bob stand a chance Bob gonna go and I hate I hate that for my homie Bob okay like he did deserve it but I, I like that because you know you're picking it up as you keep watching you're like yeah he he was a goner he was a goner from the first <laughs> first time we were introduced to him he was yeah. gonna be a goner yeah lord this song she's singing that what song is this is a burn Ellie Golding a burn mm -hmm. I actually looked it up like I think well you gave me the link I looked mm -hmm. it up I seen and I thought that it was interesting because the lyrics are really talking about apocalyptic type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Type. Uh, which is interesting because in the sense that Martin is like kind of like maybe a, like in his character, it's not really clear if Martin has the superpowers. I know we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it when they get to the hospital scene, but and to that respect, he's like almost like a demigod in this in the way his character is um yeah. and so I think it's fitting that she's standing with this big tree singing that song it's like a pop -liptic, like kind of uh pre um pre looting kind of like kind of like uh you know priming us for um the kind of sacrifice of what's the calm yeah. thing so of their family not in the world but the of their family and I, yeah and i i like the juxtaposition of that being i think that's the only kind of modern song like everything else is classical it and is. then we have position of it being a modern song and then it's it's not played with any you know like the actual track playing it's just her oh. singing words yes like so just as as actual like a score that's actually like sang by her like yes. it's, so and very eerie too because it's her with her little voice singing mm -hmm. this song uh very innocent like but the the lyrics are, are me have a lot of meaning to them so thought that was pretty great like once I read it I because I when I watched it the first time I had not even paid attention to the song I was just like okay so this is just one of those weird scenes but when I read went back and read the the lyrics uh, I was like okay this is how so this is probably like that's a brilliant way to bring it all together and not have to use like the traditional uh, kind of soundtrack on like a, a score like the traditional music on yeah. like a part so so, yeah, I just want to shout out the cinematography and the light, the way that this movie is lit. I love it. 
<laughs> we're gonna we're gonna hit on it again where everything's so very bright and then you have the scenes you know later on with martin and kim the nighttime scenes yes Just, i won't say jarring but it is like a bit of a you it's know a, scene. a contrast because yeah. those, especially the scenes in the hospital where it's so bright and yeah. then it the darkness where it's like blues and purples and then you get and then you get the bright light where it's like almost overwhelmingly bright it's not yeah. even um it's not a subtle brightness it's not even like a warm bright it's like mm-hmm. bright bright so yeah. um it's like somebody at night like you go out at night and somebody cut on the light and the sun is out it's like that <laughs> brightness yeah so yeah, um, but yeah. So um, let's talk about the. Um, so I think we just we're going into um, the scene where they're actually going to have. Um, we're about to see Bob is about to take a you know a dive uh, with the he is about to be affected, you yeah. know. He'll be the first one to be affected with uh, with the kind of the symptoms uh, that Martin will then kind of disclose to uh, yeah. even a, about kind of if he doesn't like honor his uh, his his uh, demand. Yeah. So he's at the mom's house now. He's at Martin's Ma- house yeah. with his mom. So Martin is a, a, attempting to in some weird way, like connect Steven with his mom, even though he has, and the mom is Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Yes. Which I and, love seeing this. <laughs> it was yeah, a nice. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's great. She has been a lot of, she's been in some kind of, um, you know, horror things. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, was she in Cape Fear? I don't remember. But to be the last thing I remember in, which was why I was like, oh, hey, it was the Babysitter's Club. Okay. okay. (laughs) I was like, girl, what you doing here? So, yeah. But I don't remember. Let me check on that. Oh, I see Annie. Either that or Kate Beer. She was on one of those. And I was like, um... I want to say, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. Um, no, I disagree. You know, a lot of stuff. Let's... And Sway is sitting here with their bodies. So they both are sitting on this couch, legs crossed towards the same direction. It is very kind of, it, it is funny because you would think that in a situation like this, like mm-hmm. the mom would be kind of off put, off put it by him. Like she would, it seems like she's very comfortable around him, which is strange because it makes you think that they have actually had some type of contact with each other um, outside of the fact that, you know, she probably had to see him when he gave her the news that he had killed her husband yeah and do you think because I think that she 
is you know kind of in on you know martin's kind of form of justice and plan to get you know justice for what happened to his father do you think she's also an active participant in this or i don't think so and the only reason i don't think so is because the way martin's character is is very like methodical and i he is almost the way she's acting in this scene she's not acting like she's part of like the actual plan she's just mm-hmm. act she's like kind of uh part of it in a sense where she is just she is just um uh, you know she's martin's mom and she's just there to kind of like whatever is clever like to kind of help the situation right like she's just i don't think she's in like uh I mean, and this is a very interesting scene too, because <laughs> like licking his fingers and like I'm going to work. There's a lot of interesting scenes with women in these in this movie too. So that scene specifically where she's like going to town on his fingers, um, mm-hmm. hands and stuff. There's another scene I don't, we didn't talk about it last time where Nikki is actually kissing the feet of Martin. The, yeah. Uh, uh, in when he there in when uh Steven goes and like kidnaps him and ties him up in the basement mm-hmm. uh towards the end of the movie and she goes down to like um address his um his uh flesh room that he has like bitten into himself um uh and then after that she like kisses his feet in a yeah. very like very religious very like godly it reminded me of um uh magdalene and yeah like the whole like washing the feet with the hair and like kind of that kind of servitude towards uh that kind of deity it reminded me of that when i seen it so i was like this is really amazing while he was like all battered and stuff it's very jesus-like in that in that yeah um so there's some interesting scenes with women in these in this movie and we see it with Kim too, with Martin, where she's offering herself up to him as well too. Right. Um, very reminiscent of what her mother did um, earlier. So it's it's like you know this this is the world that we live in, and this is what you know we're conditioned that this is what we have to offer. So they try it in in ways, but I, I like that you pointed out the Mary Magdalene um, reference in in that because we had talked about the last piece uh, in the score, what plays of music was called, what was it The Passion? If I'm okay. not right? Yeah. And, um, kind of talking about the passion of the Christ and stuff. So right. that was a- Yeah, so um, I guess right here, we're looking at Martin getting his uh, stress test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he is re- among Martin other- has. <laughs> to me so martin is uh <laughs> martin is not like 
he is not putting up the, the pedal on any of this. He is not he is not letting uh Steven get away easily. No. It, it, Martin is what you call a determined baby monitor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I would tell him to scram because I'm like, your mama over here acting like my personal sanitizer, licking my hands, like, sir, <laughs> take your stress test and get the fuck out of my life. Even though life is kind of in your hands. <laughs> oh my God. And this comparison here where they're comparing how much hair. <laughs> right. Other. Right. Lord. He's something a middle-aged man with this teenage boy, t- teenage to, um, you know, younger man. Yes, amazing. And then we see here, like we see now, this is when Martin starts getting more and more insistent of you know Stephen's company, right? Like, um, I want you to do this. I want this. I want this. So he becomes more and more insistent um, as Stephen grows. I guess more, you know, frustrated and he's more resistant towards right after, you know, Alicia went to town on his fingers. And I'm like, girl, do you even know if he washes hands? Like, <laughs> no shame. She was like, you know what? Okay, so you, know, it's you must walk. I'm on my got to kind of make it count. So kudos to these women identifying opportunity and capitalizing on their opportunity. Cause I'm like, girl. You over there licking on his fingers. I mean, mm-hmm. she really went to work on them damn fingers. I mean, like, this is what I could do. This is what I could do for you. Okay. Your wife may lay down, but I got your hands. So, and I need you to know that I got you. Got, I got such you. hands, and you need those hands for those surgery, baby. And, and if you was with me, I'll lick on those fingers. I'll make sure they right. Moisturize. <laughs> I moisturize them and what else you need done? <laughs> if this um, is what it takes to get a man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just, a little you know. by my capital advantage. <laughs> so this must be the dinner that Matt Matthew's referencing in the car. Yes. And not in the in the diner prior to them going to the car about, you yes. know, this is what happened here. So do appreciate that filling of the gaps yes and like i said before i said in our discussion when we were watching last time the diner is one of those central places where always the reoccurrence so you see the diner in the beginning of the film you see the diner um in the kind of in the middle of the film and then you had see the the diner at the end where they're all meeting there together um the family and then martin comes in and kind of you know kind mm-hmm. of like up and down um and i think the diner is the kind of the place where um where it's kind of the neutral ground where yeah. you know uh it's it's very giving of like a neutral ground where you go and and Martin and Stephen are sitting and discussing things. And then you see Martin there talking, you know, giving the demands and kind of like, you know, kind of telling the, you know, telling Stephen this stuff. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the half where the family is there and this is their first time seeing Martin after they've killed Bob um, as the, you know, as the, the, the sacred deer. Mm-hmm. 
So um, the diner is one of those reoccurring, I couldn't really pinpoint exactly like kind of a, uh, what it, if it was an allegory to something in like the mythology of, um, of uh, King, King AJ, but you know, I know it's some place where they are kind of having where they can kind of, um, it can, it's a neutral spot for like communication, basically. I agree with that. And, and you're kind of removed from the hierarchy in which you're, you are in societally, right? Like this right. is where we're in a neutral space of yeah. uh, kind of shared power. So right. it's like, if you get removed from that power imbalance, I agree. And as we see it, as we like progress through the film, like obviously the power dynamics are changing as we go along and Martin they is are. gaining power. They are, especially like, so um, the relationship that is, is developed between um, Kim and Martin, mm -hmm. there is this, uh, kind of a shift in power not really it was subtle in the beginning between Kim and Bob mm -hmm. um, where obviously she was like we said she was a pick me for the parents but as as the the as the relation as she develops this relationship with Martin and then it comes we come to find out that Martin is kind of the source of um you know these bad things happening to them yeah. he already has a relationship with him so she mm -hmm. automatically has that that kind of that leg up so to speak on everybody else in the family because of the fact that she has a relationship with um martin who is assumed to be doing these things to them and you see her growing and becoming more and more of you know a rebel in a way right like in the beginning bob is i, I won't say he's rebellious for not doing his chores but based on the dynamics that we see with the family he is a bit of the rebel and then as, you know, Bob is trying to, once he falls ill, trying to appeal to the dad and to the family, like, hey, pick me, choose right. me, love me, I'm here right. for you, okay, I want to be just like you, dad. Right. Um, Kim, you know, rebelling more and more, she is, she picks up smoking cigarettes for Martin, she's going out with, you know, motorcycle rides with him at night, all this kind of things, we, we see that kind of shift in, in personality. Right. So. I do like their home though. I do. The, the horror, but <laughs> home is dope. Yes. This is find out that Bob can't move his legs. Mm -hmm. Bob's just in there like, mm, sir. Yeah, I can't even I can't move move. my legs. <laughs> you I can't the shit. Like, I don't, you're talking all this shit about me going to school and all this other stuff, but I can't feel my legs right now. Yeah. So. so what so what of it and a great thing because we we um talked a little bit about the way that dialogue is delivered in here but it, it's you know everybody's just saying exactly what's on their mind right like right. nobody um you can't disguise it with the way that the dialogue is you can't disguise your emotions everyone's just very direct with their intentions and what they want to say Right, right, so, right. And I think that's what feels so alien about it because a lot of us, when we are talking to people, even when we are being directed, is 
we do cloud a bit of that with you know sentimentality and right <laughs> no I because they're just like so matter-of-factly so yeah. direct it's not any like kind of care and compassion into the delivery of whatever they're saying it's just like yeah I need you to go do this I need you to go do that blah 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 like it's no type it's very robotic very um monotone yeah oh influx of anything so you know very hard to tell um so yeah it's 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 one of those things um so we're watching as bob is being evaluated Mm -hmm. um, yeah where he's in the hospital I thought this was very interesting for them to kind of do this because you have so like I said before Stephen is is a a a cardio surgeon a cardiac surgeon surgeon he is literally like kind of um the top tier of doctors when you think about like doctors in the field of doctors he is the top tier doctor. Like this is where you got to go. This is the longest kind of school time, uh, kind of the most stressful with uh, passing certain things. So then that way you can practice um, and to be in a situation where you're reliant on another doctor to kind of tell you what's, what's wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'll say it. which is interesting because it's like you have all this power but you don't have enough power to to know why your child's legs are going paralyzed like I mean how frustrating could that be to be like just to have as much power as is assumed by Stephen, and then only to not know why your son's legs are going and this is where he collapses and I mean he feel hard as hell (laughs) <laughs> because we get to that scene later where his dad just keeps picking him up and dropping <laughs> Bob I, you know what like Bob get up and I'm thinking of like oh my god like you are dragging this boy all across this hall sir his legs at work they don't and, and, and you know because obviously they dismiss because he's once they do the evaluation he's able to move his legs again everything is fine and you know initial testing and stuff and the dad is like well you know dismissive of that initially and it's like well he had something he hadn't prepared for so he was just trying to get out of you know not doing his work and stuff and then they that shot of them going down the escalator and then poor bob takes one step off the escalator and collapses down to the ground yeah yeah poor baby here where bob is you know where Mm -hmm. uh, nikki is there with bob kind of you know visibly sad that this is bob nobody else is there like you've seen you know uh was there with him you know when he was getting the exam but he didn't Mm -hmm. even look remorseful he looked like it was just kind of a routine thing yeah and she's a very, you know, concerning parent when it comes to Bob and until it's time to make a decision. And she's like, fuck you, Bob. Just like the rest of the family. Got you, Bob. Bob. Because I'm about to get mine because I don't want to die. 
Mm-hmm. And it seems that it, in terms of the way that his colleagues also interact with Anna um, is very different with the way they interact with him. And I think it's just, even in the, the you know, uh, shared coldness of delivery of the lines, there is some kind of warmth that is directed towards Anna in terms of great seeing you, Anna, even under these circumstances, et cetera, there. Yeah. Still no. But, but I think you bought it up last time we watched that the scene where they were all at kind of the Sarah, the, um, the, uh, oh, it looks, it looked to be like an award ceremony. Award um, ceremony. Yeah. So, and, Anna was talking and Stephen was very dismissive of whatever she was saying basically mm-hmm. you know basically it, I mean she's a whole she's a whole doctor in her own right but he's mm-hmm. very dismissive of like kind of anything she kind of says um yeah. you know so it's interesting the co-workers take a cue from that too in the beginning yeah and then it kind of changes as we move, as we go along. Not Anna outside smoking. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, so we see, we see Steven smoking in the beginning mm-hmm. and, and then like, there's no scene where he smokes again um, because he was smoking when he was talking to mm-hmm. Martin when they was walking Martin had the ice cream cone and then we see Anna smoking in this scene where this is our first time like seeing her kind of in a situation where she's stressed where seemingly um and when Mark when Stephen was smoking it wasn't really a stress thing it was more of like a guilty pleasure type deal mm-hmm. you know I like her hair when it's in like her natural curly curly hair I, I do uh, too but I really I'm partial though to the redhead Nikki like, I, want, I want redhead Nikki back with the redhead with the curly hair you I know, like out of her you know that shot they have of her when she divorced Tom Cruise yes yes I, I like redhead Nikki yes we should do a thing one day where we rank the movies. Yeah. Um, hair color. <laughs> yes. But yeah, based on Nikki's hair color, because it does a lot. It does say a lot about like, because Nikki is, even though she gives like the same type of wonderful delivery, like she's definitely a different person. You know, she's a different bitch with a different color hair when she's got them different hair and then the different types like you know the straight red the curly red you know that kind of Mm -hmm. so this is where this is where martin is actually going to tell steven about you're not gonna follow my demands i got you nigga like you this is what's gonna happen to your family if you don't do what i asked you to do and Um, and he's something very interesting in uh when they first start the conversation where he's like you've given me so many gifts given me so many gifts and I haven't given you anything how rude of me it's like I'm not the shock of your life <laughs> so yeah. 
this is my gift to you um some form of retribution right right and I think before and when we talked before we talked about the um we talked about the aspect of um whether what we thought and I'm trying to remember correctly what we said but we were talking about whether this was something that was going to happen eventually or if he would have done his if he would if Stephen would have like honored the demands would do we think it this would have happened anyway and yeah. what do we what do we say do you remember what we said yeah I think we came to the conclusion that it would have been just you know delaying the inevitable if you continue yeah. to acquiesce girl I can't speak today if you continue to acquiesce <laughs> follow his demands you know I, the other day when I said that word sometimes I'll be saying words and they come out right and like sometimes when you just really need to say the word it don't come out so we're gonna try this one more time and then I was just gonna talk it over and pretend that I was doing that intentionally as a bit acquiesce to his demands I had to take a breath and say that um that it would have just been delaying the inevitable because it was you know probably it was bound to happen um the way that it did so it would it's like okay when does Stephen start to draw boundaries when is enough enough because at some point he'll be like enough is enough and Martin will keep wanting more and more and more and obviously yeah. he really wants is you know a life for a life right so. right right I, I agree um and I know we talked about this too because I'm not like you know this whole time Stephen has has and like you said before this movie is about Stephen not taking responsibility for his actions like this yeah. is what this is a cautionary tale to fuck niggas that don't want to do what they mm -hmm. supposed to <laughs> not you know and um so to that respect it's like if you don't if like that it's going it was something that was going to happen anyway because of the fact that you did something to make it occur so it's like kind of like uh for every action there's an equal reaction yeah uh so the same type this is the same type deal where uh regardless of how nice Stephen was or i i mean even i think that even if he was like kind of willing to say i'm going to go to jail for this it still would have been some type of like retribution where it's eye for the for an eye type deal where you can't get around it um and so um and you know when you do these things these things tend to be in the form of um you know when it's the eye for an eye i mean because if you think about it like the movie stops where bob is killed and then the family goes on but this is something that will continue to plague their family forever like this is not just this is not something that will just stop because bob died this is something that has will affect kim and will mm -hmm. affect anna and will affect steven in some form or fashion um yeah. psychologically or otherwise uh down the road because of the fact that this has occurred yeah and i i think also too like when you know martin tells him hey this is what's up instead of accepting you know what martin is saying there he goes to see bob and you know finds out bob once you know martin has gone through the stages because martin mentions the, the stages which we should 
probably mention for everyone, we see the first stage, which is being, you know, the paralyzing of the limbs. Yeah, the lower uh, limbs. The, yeah, the lower limbs. And the, the second stage is the refusal to eat and starvation. They eat and starvation. The third stage is bleeding from the eyes. Eyes. And then the fourth stage is death. Is death. So we've hit the second stage um, where Bob is refusing to eat. And instead of, you know, Stephen being like, okay, this is what I've done. He goes to force feed him a donut. Um, and I'm mad at myself that every time I look at that scene, I'm like, oh, that donut actually looks, <laughs> looks pretty good. And it looks like the donut that I had. I went apple picking and there's this place in Jersey that does apple donuts. And it looks like that donut. And I want okay. it. Um, I feel sorry for Bob, but I'm also hungry. So I can't wait to eat after that. Um, but yeah, he's forced feeding him the donut. He's like, that's the reason why he keeps falling over and crawling on all fours is because he refuses to eat. Cause you know, Steven is just rejecting the fact that he is somehow in some way responsible for what's currently happening to his child. And he's basically like, no, somebody else is responsible. Bob is responsible for what's happening to him right now. Right. Not me. okay you know i'm on the fuck steven train because everybody else is suffering for steven's shit okay even one time did steven even think during the whole movie did steven even think about hey i'm the one that caused all this shit so i should know hey me i'll die for my family no i think i told this when we talk when we when we watched before i'm like i'm a mother like i i have a daughter am I scared of death yes I am but if it came to something that was where I had to go like sacrifice myself versus my child I'm absolutely gonna sacrifice myself like that's not <laughs> even thought. so it's like he he never ever like even considered it it's not even considered it, no. it we go through the whole movie he's never considered it ever he's no. so self in his in the way he's thinking about this before we move on, let's talk about the scene right here where she lays down like her mom. I know we, I know we talked about it when we when we were uh, and and we're gonna have to fast forward because this is the part where Stephen is dragging Martin. <laughs> so much shit. So we get to the part where Kim is actually in there with Martin in her room, mm-hmm. and she is he's basically like asking her about her period. This is another time where the period thing comes up, and then. Mm-hmm is laying it like he is she assumes that he is asking her for some type of sexual favor because he's asking her about not knowing that martin is some type of like entity kind of deity Mm -hmm. it's not really solidified in the movie like directly but we can assume because of what's happening he has something to do especially when it gets to the point where where uh kim is being affected by the symptoms uh, so he she gets undressed and then she lays across the bed like her mom. And I remember asking you when we watched it. So did Kim see her mom do this? Mm-hmm. What's this deal where uh but this is another thing where a woman is acting in a certain way where with with uh, with this male counterpart, right? Where she's offering herself in some type of power flex to kind of get wants. Yeah, like the the only power that I that I have is my body and how I use it in this, you know, patriarchal right. society. So here's me, you know, doing what I 
I feel that I should be doing, right? Like offering myself up. And it's all, you know, similar to the dialogue, which you keep talking about. It's very alien like and very robotic, like, all right, here, nigga. <laughs> here I am. Um, <laughs> like, do what you will. Um, and, you know, Martin says no. And we go into the scene, like you were mentioning, where, you know, Bob, not Bob. Steve is, you know, wheeling Bob into um, a room to continue further testing. And then we cut into the scene where we had talked about a little bit before, where they're kind of running down what it could be, what, what's, right. you know, the diagnoses of what Bob has. And Anna says it's, you know, it could be, I think it's a case of a psychosomatic disorder. Right. I believe Matthew is the one who says I'm inclined to agree with Anna. Right. So we see this change in him, you know, starting to agree with her and, you know, not invalidating her, but come to find out it's because. Um, <laughs> and then Stephen is like, girl, stick to your lane. You know, you, if I need to ask you some shit about eyes, you got that. But you don't understand what we're talking about here. And neither does he really. You know what I mean? Like, this is not his lane either, but he feels entitled oh. to know. <laughs> At what is right at all times he's always right. right at all times a dick oh it is so is so this is where he's dragging po bob in the hallway po mm -hmm. baby bob just having such a hard time um and basically uh you know you know, telling him, basically telling him he gonna have to get, he gonna have to do something, he gonna have to walk. Like, <laughs> he's gonna have to do something. <laughs> but the whole conversation is very, like, matter-of-factly. And I want also very weird about... Is. It is weird. <laughs> yeah. Bob is like... Oh, Jesus. Um, Stephen's a, uh, an interesting, <laughs> interesting yeah. person because the conversation that he's having with Bob right now is about when, you know, he was a child um, and he would, you know, masturbate a lot. Um, and do you want to take it from there? It's just a very weird conversation. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just okay so he would you know I, I guess I should put some warnings all around but he you know would you know masturbate and, and ejaculate quite a lot when he was younger and he'd always heard stories about it from you know people like you know I guess that something was wrong in that sense yeah right um, and one night when his father had a lot to drink and the rest of his family was out he went to his father's broom and yeah, yeah. until he, <laughs> so it's just a so. it is very weird yeah um and I don't and so I I struggle with that conversation because I don't know exactly why that conversation is in yeah. the the dialogue is so strange and off-putting um but there's a lot given the movie we're watching <laughs> no it is true but it's like um it's almost like he tries to at the moment where he's like because we think about it the 
moment where he find what he figures out because in that hallway is where he's like oh you know what this is why this is happening to me mm-hmm. I, this is the realization of him where he's like oh this is why my son can't walk yeah i need to justify why i am like this yeah you know what i'm saying so i need to justify why i was drunk and i killed this man right yeah. so he's projecting that like he's like okay i'm fucked up is because this happened to me yeah you saying so so now it's like so but i struggle with that because it's like no nigga that's not why you just no. a fucked up individual. that may have something but you you in the way that you have because i could i could give you some of those things right because all everything that happens to us makes us who we are so i can give him some of that so i'm not definitely not villainizing him in that way but yeah but the fact that he has no empathy for his family like at the point where there is like we because then that then you need to know if just something's wrong then you need to know and i need to like kind of write this like why am i keeping myself around if i'm the fucked up one i need to save my family right that would be my kind of rationale was but he didn't do that and i think it goes to it goes to the point of the actual myth yeah. the kill sacred deer where king uh aj kills the sacred deer and it's, it's uh, uh, the goddess artemis and she gives him this uh ultimatum of killing his eldest daughter um you know uh you know and be freed up to fight the war, trojan war or give up the war to spare his daughter's life and he chooses the other shit he don't choose his you know what i'm saying he don't choose his daughter which is another reason why we i think we keep going back to like the period thing because they're trying to get to the fact where why kim is not sacrificed because if yeah. we were following the myth she would have been the one to sacrifice but no it's not kim it's the son right and like you said it's like he's trying to find like a moment of absolution from this job like i am the reason for this happening to you but i'm not going to go through that process and taking accountability for what's happening to you i will blame um action deflect yes i will i will deflect the blame right like I did this when I was younger you know and this is who I am this is why I'm like this this is why this is happening okay but there's no personal accountability like even though this these particular actions have caused you know have not allowed me to I I don't want to say a functioning individual but these there are these particular actions that have happened yes and I have not worked on those actions so now the I have not worked on those actions and I am further harming other people as a result of that. And then, you know, harming my family, but there is no accountability to be had in that, in which I look at myself and say, Hey, I did this. It's the world and everybody else has done this, right? It's all their, their, their fault. And I'm looking for absolution in this, in the same, and at the same time, he's looking for absolution without taking any accountability. Like it's just, it's very right and then you know we saw here um a little bit ago where kim starts to get sick as well in the the middle of her choir rehearsal her legs give out and um she ends up in the hospital beside bob and we see you know anna 
being comforted by Matthew. Right. Oh, we. And I don't think we've, you know, we we brought it up a lot. We made jokes about the handy, but Matthew's a weirdo as he well. Like as an on this, uh, it, it's a, it's weird because he is capitalizing on this miss this kind of misfortune of this family. Yes, and the opportunity to kind of get his get his dig with, basically. You know what I'm saying? Like it's such a very hyper masculine thing to do. And uh, you know, it's funny because it's like at first he never he didn't even agree with it. Like he was treating her just like Mike, like Mark, mm-hmm. like um, uh, uh, what's the dad's name? Like Stephen was treating her, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they see this, he see this misfortune, this opportunity to kind of get in. He probably thought she was pretty, but didn't think he would mm-hmm. she would give him time of day because of the fact that he's a anesthesiologist. She's a op, you know she's a actual like kind of a professional doctor, you know what I'm saying? And so now he sees this opportunity and he's like, oh, I can capitalize. Very um, predatory (laughs) is what it is. (laughs) Um, And then we we see here too, where we have this scene outside with Steven smoking. We see him smoking again. And is, um, Anna's also smoking too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're both smoking. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> I realize this, this whole time, the amount of times I watched this movie, I never realized this man was, we, we were seeing him naked in the shower. <laughs> I just, I, that's why I had to stop. I was like, yeah, we wait, see this in the hallway. What? What happened? Is this an extended cut? Which is fucking weird as fuck because he's sitting there in the damn chair, bare booty ass naked. Like, it's like, what are you doing, dog, dude? Like, what is no. some of um, us don't do that after the shower <laughs> no yeah. just kidding um but <laughs> no but we you know he confesses to to Anna what's happening and you know him meeting with Martin um and everything that's happening to their family and you know the suggestion of whether they should go to the police and Anna's like no like how are how are we even going to explain this right. right like we have to go on as as is so both of their kids are in the hospital at this point and this kind of the part this is the this is the actual turning point because I think I said in the hallway Stephen has a realization that Martin this is probably happening because of Martin and this is because Mm -hmm. of him he doesn't have a good reason to believe this but then I mean, he has a reason because Martin has told him, but he I had any proof to say that this is this is that this is actually what's happening, right? So this is where you get the real. This is where you get kind of the. This is like kind of the the uh, where Jesus turns the wine into water type deal, where you actually see like what the actual kind of miracle is, and she and Stephen is not here to actually witness it. Yeah, uh, but, but Anna, Anna is. She, yeah. Um, she hasn't seen it happen and come into play yet. So then she's seeing firsthand, like, yeah, we have some forces beyond our control working at right. this particular. And which brings up the whole fact where it's like, this is what influences her to kind of in the scene where they're in the basement. And then she kissing his feet. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, recognizes 
oh, you are a deity. You're somebody, like something is going on here. So I need to kind of recognize and get myself together, right? Um, so Kim is actually talking to Martin. Martin's in the parking lot just for the viewers and listeners to hear us. Anna is looking out the window um, and does not see Martin because mm -hmm. Martin's gone, right? But but Kim is standing up, right? Yeah. So Kim is standing up. And, and uh, yeah. you know, Bob is like, wait, Kim can get up. Why can't I? And then right. Anna, because she's older. Right. And <laughs> right. Yeah. They can just fall. <laughs> like, let me. <laughs> why is the rose on the bed? Bob. Girl, <laughs> girl that thing rolled hard. You know how hard them damn hospital floors are? It's hard. It's hard. It's cement. This thing rolled out the bed. Face first onto that whole ass cement floor. I'm like, what the hell? Um, and I mentioned, um, I don't know if it's intentional, but I just I liked pointing it out where Kim is to the mom, Martin. He sends his regards. And I was like, it reminded me of the Reigns of Castamere episode of Game of Thrones, season three, episode nine it's from. It's like Yes, or the Lannisters send the regards. It is a power, like kind of a, a kind of a, 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 a yeah, it's yes. a power play. When you yes. like say, oh, you know what? See what I can do. Yeah, send my regards. Right? It's like this Martin is flexing. Like, all right, y'all think I'm playing? This is what's really happening. This is yes. actually going on. So, um, and it's very funny that. Steven is not the one to actually see it. Anna is the one to actually kind of witness um, uh, just kind of the, the miracle of, of Kim getting up and walking, you know what I'm saying? Um, and not having her other child be able to walk because, you know, I, I, I guess you would, because in the same sense, um, Bob did the same thing. He got up and walked after he wasn't, you know, so he his legs were paralyzed after they did the like the little the little examination he walked after that yeah. and he fell out again right his legs went out again so it's the same kind of thing but it's not to to me this this kind of show of like this is what's happening is more of a concrete this is actually what's happening than you not actually uh, because you can associate that with kind of maybe a medical disorder uh versus something supernatural happening you know what i'm saying uh where it's like oh i'm talking to martin and martin martin told me to come to the window jesus mm -hmm. told me to get up and walk and i yeah. walked you know what i'm saying that type of deal um where um where when you when you're walking and your legs just give out you can associate that with some type of medical disorder without any type of um you know thought towards any supernatural something going yeah. on and we see that steven reverts back to oh no, now that you know kim was able to get up and walk and you know anna's explaining the situation um steven is like oh it just means that kim's getting better and we've invited two outstanding specialists to come in and take a look at them like he is even after 
being told directly over and over what's happening. He reverts back to, okay, this just means this and no, what what's happening can't possibly be happening because he is forever deflecting from taking any sort of type of accountability of what's currently happening. And then also too, in that scene, um, prior to the scene with Anna and Steven, Kim explains to Anna what's about to happen. Like, girl, he's coming for you too. <laughs> he sends his regards and he's coming for you too. You won't be able to move. You won't be able to do this. Um, and I just thought that was very, very interesting. Ugh, the spaghetti sauce scene. The spaghetti scene. And then it, I, we talked about this when we watched the first time about his facial features and just kind of how, uh, you know, it's some act, actors and actresses that have facial features that like kind of, add to the unsettling the unsettling feeling you get from watching mm-hmm. his is one of those faces because it's not in it's it's not in you know it's not easy on the eyes it's not like a perfect triangle you know what I'm saying his his features are very distinct and very odd like I think last time I said, and I don't want to be like, I'm trying not to be like offensive to anybody, but I, I, I compared him to the Hunchback of Notre Dame because of the features, right? Like just the <laughs> aspect of the features and how off-putting it is. Um, another movie that does that is Hereditary with the little girl that's, that's her features are kind of distorted um, and it makes you feel very unset- unsettled to look at her. And then when she's acting a certain way, it really makes you feel kind of weirded out. So uh, that, uh, another uh, like series, um, uh, Brand New Cherry Flavor, the actress has really like exaggerated and eyes, yeah. facial features, which makes you make, it makes you feel, e- even though none of her facial features are distorted, but because of the exaggeration of the facial facial features, it makes you feel um, unsettled in a way when you're watching. It adds to kind of the disassociation with kind of the, the, the kind of dread that you feel when you're watching a film. And it's also, um, you know, this particular scene, the anxiety of watching him eat the spaghetti with a bunch of sauce with a white t-shirt. <laughs> I, see a stain, I see a little stain on the shirt. I'm like, how many shirt takes do they have to use <laughs> to get through this? Like, you eating that spaghetti like that? Because he was fucking that spaghetti up. Like, uh, he was fucking it up. Um, and I think last time you said that maybe we were trying to figure out ways that he would be, he would just look better. And I think you said lightening up his hair, but I don't know what to say. He's so, he's so pale. So the dark, the dark, the jet black hair against like pale skin. Um, yeah, I could probably dig that. It exaggerates your features because it's that contrast with the jet black. Right, right. But even because I, I watched Eternals recently and he's in Eternals and I'm like, I don't trust you because that yeah. face, <laughs> you're so friendly. <laughs> And, you know, no offense to his face, no offense to my Irish people out there. Um, but, you know, it's just, he's very, when you see him come on in a movie, I'm like, I don't trust you. Okay. You are up to no trusting face, though. <laughs> yes. But he just I, don't, up. I, I want to say, and I, and again, like, this is not me. I think this is, um, it's like you say a lot of times, like the way mm-hmm. we were 
a lot of things is based off of our kind of the westernization of you know what mm-hmm. has posed on us uh per- the perfect triangle is one of those because it's based off of a very west european european centric type beauty um and so when we look at people we associate that immediately with that instead of anything else and yeah. so I, that anything that's kind of distorted from that perfect triangle automatically makes you distrusting of, of that person because it makes them an other right like in, other. yeah it others them immediately so that's what I'll say about that I mean um you know it's it takes a while to kind of unlearn things but that that I do know like I know that our standard of beauty is not based on our own kind of construct of what we've made it to be is based off of something else that has already been installed in society mm-hmm. you know so yeah and while they're the kind of scene where you're um with Anna and Martin where you know they're talking and he's eating his spaghetti and she's you know trying to find out information as to why he's doing this to their family and talking about you know what Stephen did and if anything that he did was out of negligence and, and all that kind of stuff so she's just trying to get to the bottom of what's happening and why her and her family have to suffer for what's happening um, and as a result of that we end up in this scene again where would you say this is a also a diner it's like a grill place right a- like continuous meeting point of characters where she's talking to Matthew and he switches around what Stephen had initially said right yes the anesthesiologist who is at fault and then Matthew here is like ah, actually it's the surgeons who are at fault okay it's never just fault it's never our fault it's the surgeons and I think I agree with him like I so this is a, I in the military I'm a legal administrator so that is the equivalent of a law office manager in civilian sector but before mm-hmm. that, I was a paralegal a paralegal worked for an attorney the paralegal works under the attorney's bar license so anything the paralegal does whether it's the paralegal's fault or not it is always the lawyer's fault so in yeah. this respect the that that is why the surgeon is there that's why the surgeon gets so much training and so much education because the church surgeon is supposed to check to know this stuff too so the mm-hmm. surgeon is supposed to know like if there's not a, if there's not enough uh, anesthesia or if too little anesthesia they're supposed to know all that stuff so they're always going to be held uh, responsible for those things yeah <laughs> we're at our handy scene which is also- <laughs> The, the hand job is very surgical oh, in nature. Uh, doing this, homegirl is. I love her face. And she's like, "I'm just doing this. So hurry up and just bring your. Come on, man. Just get your. Come on, literally. One of her acting performances. Are you gonna come away? <laughs> she keeps looking at him like, like, because at first. It's not the, you know, she looks at him, not immediately, and then she keeps going back and looking at him and looking at him right. and trying to get him out, like, hurry the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, hurry the fuck up. Right. This, you know, I love this for her. I think it's it's one of her best um, acting performances, pretending to be interested yes. in what she's doing there um, and also look disinterested at the same time. Like, yeah. I'm going to get candy. I'm gonna get you get what you need from me and I get what I need from you yes finding out 
what the fuck happened and is my husband responsible for this boy's father yes and it leads us to this confrontation scene in the kitchen which i love um in terms of because she's basically she's giving it to him and instead of him taking what she's saying right once again he increasingly deflects responsibility and then instead of addressing what she's saying throws a big fit you know big fit he's throwing shit around okay who's gonna do the dishes after you just threw them all on the floor it's gonna be me so he's like because i cannot adequately respond to what you're saying to me i'm just gonna throw some shit around in the kitchen yeah. Like a key. just basically like With an basically like yeah little brand yeah and he's um, telling her what do you say you want to mash potatoes tomorrow he's like you should make some mashed potatoes like sir yeah, yeah. Here. you can boil them yourself right right so, okay. yeah. So we have two kids that can't walk. Uh, can I? Can I just? This ain't no regular situation. Regular degular situation. Like we are actually facing. We got a fucking deity that has is cursing our family, and you are literally talking about some shit that yeah. Nick. Don't nobody give a fuck about them damn mashed potatoes. <laughs> you could. You got money. You can go buy some mashed potatoes. Like I'm over here. Hi. Gotta go yeah. to Popeyes and get you some Cajun mashed potatoes and gravy. Cajun mashed potatoes. Okay, you over here. I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna save myself and save these fucking kids. Right. And you're over here. Need tomorrow make some mashed potatoes. While mind you, he gets to go to work and she has to be at home taking right. care of. Right? right. So the added responsibility of being a homemaker, taking care of the kids in in terms of them being unable to to um you know to move beyond where they're at now because you know their limbs don't work right so like the worry of that and then being a homemaker um and you want me the fuck (laughs) even so so first of all this shit is happening let's just let's just lay this out first of all this shit is happening because of you because of your ass um now you want me to kind of hold the whole like kind of the brunt of Mm -hmm everything because of how you feel like no I'm not doing it it's not happening so yeah yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous the amount of selfishness like that kind of expect (laughs) over time with Steven you know he is and it's you know obviously because it's not you know this there's a cut and dry villain and this and this because everybody does things for their own personal gain in this film except yeah. Bob my precious Bob um but it's just it's it's the fact that you know we're suffering because of you and you're continuously dismissive towards our reality right right like in the conversation that they have before they're they're going you know they're preparing for bed and stuff and they're in the bed and he's like, well, if this was supposed to happen, then wouldn't you already be paralyzed by now? Like continuously dismissive about the reality they're facing. It's like, she's trying to find a solution to tackle it head on. And he's still got his, you know, head in the sand. Like, this is not happening the way that, you know, I've been told it's happening and why it's happening. And if everybody else has to suffer for my own selfishness, then I don't give a fuck. Right, right. And I hate him for that. 
there the decor in this room the wallpaper is ugly as fuck <laughs> i told you that the last time the cab, yeah it is ugly that, and that, no offense to anybody who has this bedding set yeah. but awful <laughs> it's eyesore it's uh it's not a wonderful uh thing that's going on in that room with that wallpaper especially with the wallpaper and then the blue uh, uh comforter it's like kind of weird like i don't know he wears a lot of blues a lot of kind of like blues and uh, neutral tones as well like i think that's because you the, you know to try to make the viewer kind of see him as you know because blue is a color of like calmness and um you know associated with like lighter type feelings Mm -hmm. versus darker colors or bold red colors or anything like that but he wear the okay so this is where he has actually kidnapped martin and brought him to this basement and and has woke her up and brought her down here only to tell her to leave (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't tell me before we went downstairs first of all my mouth is not that you know i'm i'm Mm -hmm. all for submissive being submissive and being cool but i would cuss that nigga straight i'd be like why the fuck you wake me up first of all why did you go and kidnap this boy if he is the one that's doing all this shit to me, do you think, to us, why do you think kidnapping him is the solution? Obviously, Ava, you knew you were going to give this kid some lemonade. Why the fuck didn't you get some while we were going downstairs? You knew. You brought me down here to send my ass back upstairs. Right. Huh. My knee hurting. You don't know what's wrong with me. You don't give a shit what's wrong with me. <laughs> like... Right. Ah, uh, Stephen is Stephen is the worst. Okay, when I catch these streets, on these non fictional streets, it's on site. It's he is, on. Site. He is the pits. He is the pits. He really is. He's doing the most in this movie for no reason. For no reason, and all. Well, I mean, it is for a reason because he's never. I don't think he's ever had to to take responsibility for anything a day in his fucking life. True. So. This is true. This is true. lord this okay and and this is where i have like complicated feelings about martin right because i think in in viewing it in a sense of you know any type of nuance you can be like well this is awful that he's doing this to this family da 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 but he you know he mentions that later on that this is the only way that i could think of right to get justice um and then we talked about whether he is you know, justified in wanting that, right? Because he's the one who has to grow up now without a parent. Right. Um, And there's, you know, there's, when you lose someone and, you know, it's implied that someone else is at fault and you don't, they don't take responsibility or accountability for what's happened. And then you're now without this parental figure. What do you do? So I, I see why I, I see the reasoning I don't agree with it because I'm not always an eye for an eye kind of person but it's also like he's an annoying little shit but I understand <laughs> I don't agree but I understand how yeah. about you 
No, I agree. Um, I think that, so I will, I do agree with that. I, let's talk about, because before this goes too far, yeah. let's talk about the, and I know you hinted on a little bit, but like his explanation, the way he, the way he explained the metaphor of what was going on, where he bit, he bit Stephen, and yeah. then bites himself to yeah. illustrate eye for an eye, which I thought was, I actually thought was pretty well done because I thought that like, in that sense, the best way to kind of describe and kind of illustrate what is going on mm -hmm. is is to have a demonstration versus saying eye for an eye, two for a two, something that we're all used to like kind of hearing and seeing. Mm -hmm. but actually demonstrated like this is like if I bite you the only way that's gonna make like kind of set the balances right is that if I bite myself like if I get something harmed from me like the same type thing happens to me um yeah. so I agree with that and I do agree with what you were saying with um with as far as like the eye for like um there's no way to kind of and I struggle with this because I too don't believe for eye for eye. I mean, if we just know eye for eye, you know, it's the same concept of if somebody cheats on you and you cheat back. Like, there's no, I guess, in the end, what is the end state? Because we're always going to be doing this to each other. So at some point, somebody has to take the high road and not do the shit and try to kind of talk stuff through and kind of find other ways to work through those issues. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but at the same time, I think that sometimes, I mean, I agree with you. How do you kind of work through those things? Because I struggle with that too, because I've been on the sick where I've been wronged. I've been cheated on. And like, I use cheating as an example. Like I've been cheated on. And my first, my first impulse is to cheat back, is to just be like, you know what? Since you did this to me, I got something for you. It's all good. Mm -hmm. And so when I've done it, then if something's going on with you, I have a justification on it because the balance, the, the scales have been balanced, right? But that's not really because you're, you're anything, right? Like it's nothing's really it's balanced in like uh in your own mind. It's balanced in your own mind. Nothing. Yeah, but you're still facing the harm. Like you're still hurt, and nothing's yeah, changed. Still hurt. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't. It's in it may change a little bit in your mind because now you have a justification, but it hasn't really changed anything. Yeah. And so I think that's what I kind of struggle with. Um, so I agree with you. I, it's the same type of thing, but how do you justify, especially in a situation like this, where you have uh, somebody that has taken like a prominent figure, um, you know, you think of people that kill other people's family members, um, especially like in the black community, you know, a lot of senseless killings and stuff. And then, how do you just how do you kind of rectify that like what's the what's yeah. the answer for payment what's my payment how can i be because in law the answer is you, you you kind of make the person whole but how do you make the person whole if you can't you know what i'm saying yeah. it's one of those things so um so yeah I, I i don't know what the answer is but yeah it's very interesting it's a very interesting question I, i'm sure a lot of people um struggle with daily yeah and I want us to talk about this scene because 
prior to it, you you have that uh, conversation between Kim and Bob, where Kim is basically telling Bob that he needs to step the fuck up because he's gonna be the you know he's gonna be the one to go, and when he dies, I'm gonna have your MP3 player. I've lost right. two past week that Martin gave me, but when you die, can I have your MP3 player? And she's very certain that he's gonna be the one to die, right? right. Um, there's no doubt in her mind about the sequence of events that's going to happen. We see her hint towards, you know, what um, what's going to happen with Anna, where she's telling her in the hospital after we see that miracle, this is what's going to happen to you. You're also going to, you know, face the same things. And then we see it here in the conversation she has with Bob, where she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, you're my little brother and everything, but it's going to be you. I'm good. Right. And you see Bob now realizing like, I got to the fuck up. Like I was supposed to get a haircut a couple weeks ago. Throw my ass out of this bed and go get some scissors and start cutting my hair. You know, basically, how can I plead my case? Because he realizes that there is no where they're they're all starting to realize that this is going to come down to one of us has to go. Like they understand that Bob is unfortunately the last person to understand what is at stake here. So he's like gonna have to you know and as uh, Kim has mentioned it and, and he's like okay well dad's gonna have to make the decision let me do all the things he told me to do so I'm gonna cut my hair I know I said I was gonna do this weeks ago but I'm gonna cut my hair I'm gonna what was it water the plants all of the things that <laughs> he, he's like dad I want to be like you now <laughs> I'm gonna go get us some food stamps I'm yes. gonna <laughs> to be just like mom I lied I want to be like you yeah. your profession sounds so interesting now like oh, oh my god this is so interesting wow, I know you picked me up and dragged my ass around the hospital but guess what that was fun it was fun I'm good I'm good with all of that uh don't kill me please right <laughs> right right and you know um like I said, I feel for my, my guy, Bob, but nothing he could offer. <laughs> Especially where dad is going, Stephen is going yeah. to the school. Yeah, which is interesting. I think we talked mm-hmm. about a little bit like he's going to the school to figure out which of the kids is better. <laughs> Using the, yeah, more the, the future or, you know, is better yeah. than the other, um, which we find out. I think we highlighted when we watched it, which I had not caught before, that um, Kemp actually recited the, I mean, she recited the myth that this whole movie is based on, uh, which was very interesting to me. And she is the one that uh, the, you know, the, I guess this is the, the the, the principal or whatever that's actually talking about, you know, how she's so much better. Like Bob is cool. But she is, she just does a lot. She has a lot more going on and she's just, uh, I guess she's a pygmy for the school folks too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, um, which is, you know, it's very, uh, very interesting. 
interesting way to, you know, assess the value of one's life. Like, how can you actually accurately assess the value of one's life? You, you know, and for him, he's like, okay, let me go and see who's doing well in school. Let's do it in an academic sense. Like who is in the, you know, um, I guess in an intellectual sense, who's bringing more value, right? right? And never throughout this process, does he ever, you know, assess the value of his life? Because he never considers the fact that he yep. has to, that he, maybe I should go, right? It's right. like, which one of my kids sucks? <laughs> like, help me make this decision. I'm right. not going, that way it's, it's once again, he's deflecting the responsibility because he's having this person be the one to assess the value for him. Between right. the two, which one is better, right? That way, if he has to make the decision, that person says, oh, this one's actually better off than this one. He can be like, well, I didn't make the decision to off you. This person right. told the value of your life. And I, you can't assess the, like putting a value in somebody's life is just, especially your own kids. It's it's not a way to, to go through it. And it's just, it just further proof that Stephen fucking sucks. Yeah. <sighs> I, Such a well-written character. Cause I, I love to hate him. I love to It's a real written character. I think it fits so much with the actual myth of King AJ because King AJ obviously picks the sacrifice of his eldest daughter and to be freed up to fight the, the Trojan War versus sparing his daughter's life in order to go you know like it's it, it should have been a no-brainer but he actually it's it tells a lot about a person the decisions that they make in life and if the light if the decisions are solely based on their selfish kind of mm-hmm. is it tells a lot about that person so it really oh we're getting the scene this is the scene where nikki is kissing uh, martin's feet um this is after she has kind of treated his bandages so it's a very like like i said it's very mary margaline megaline megaline margaline yeah Magdalene where she's recognizing that he is powerful in this sense uh kind of a deity or um I also find it interesting that you know she's picking up like she brought the kids down here for this it's almost she brought them as kind of a witness like kind of a witness of um it's like huh um, it's like a plea for mercy right like bringing my kids down and then asking yeah yeah I, I think it's a combination of a plea and especially after the kissing of the feet it's like a a plea and like um witnessing of me kind of worshiping or you know this deity that has done this um, you are like kind of the the omniscient, um, you know, kind of the almighty and you can take mercy on my soul type thing, take mercy on my family, you know, um, and you have witnesses there to kind of see that. So I think it kind of went two ways. And now we get to the scene where she's <laughs> like, that ain't working. It's down I, to Steven. I, 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 I to appeal another like you know another, like I said another scene where she bobbed down you know she carried Bob down and, and Kim drug herself down <laughs> but 
dialogue with her. And she's like, all right, it's up to Steven now. Let me take all my clothes off, which was different, right? Like in the first scene, she's still in her, you know, like her undergarments and stuff. And here she's bare ass naked, like, all right, back at it again. Do what you need to do. This is what I can offer you, right? Like she's, she's an offering to him. Like, this is what I can do for you. Cause they all have to now start pleading their cases to Steven who has to make the decision to off one of them. Um, and he basically turns off the lights and is like, mm, I'm good, <laughs> but she's not going to stop there. She's like, Hey, honey buns, snookums, sweethearts. Let me cut you a little bit. Another little two little bastards we got downstairs. One of them can go. We can have another. <laughs> we can have another. It's fine. It's fine. I'm still fertile. <laughs> he like, I'm actually, I'm good on, I'm, I'm good on pussy. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not interested. He said, I'm good on pussy tonight. And she's like, you know what? I know you're good on pussy. I will cuddle you and we can make the decision for which child can go. Okay. Like what I can do for you. Who else is going to have these conversations? Who else is going to act as a second blanket? It's going to be me. Okay. Right. And right. one of the kids, hashtag Bob, you're a goner. So Bob is out of there. And then let's talk about the, you know, the juxtaposition of this current scene that we're seeing where it cuts back and forth to Anna crawling downstairs again to offer Martin a cigarette and then cutting to the scene where, um, you know, Stephen is treating her wounds in which we later come to, to find out why he's treating her wounds in the next scene after this. And she's basically manipulating them, right? Like she's doing her pick me, choose me role. And she said, you know what? I will do y'all a solid. I will be the sacrifice. Let me do this for the family. Yeah. She doesn't mean, I don't, she does not mean it at all, right? But yeah. she's like, this will guilt you in some type of way if I flip it. Cause Bob is like, this is what I can do for you in a sense of don't kill me because I'll do all the things you had already told me to do. Right. And she, you know, this is what I will do for you, right? right. I will. I will be the sacrifice. Right. <laughs> and it cuts to the scene with her and Martin where she's pleading her case basically to both of them, you know, her parents and to Martin at the same time. Cause she's like, if you let me walk, okay, like we can run away together. We'll be Gucci. Um, you know, you just have to give me my, you know, my feel of my legs back. So. Right. Right. Um, which is, which is interesting because I like the way you say the juxtaposition of this because of the fact that it is. It's the direct contrast between Stephen and Anna. Not, yeah, Stephen and Anna upstairs where Anna is kind of like, and, and throughout the movie, Anna and Kim are kind of like mirroring each other in the way that they kind of are navigating this thing. Um, and so you have, uh, Kim, where she is offering herself up, kind of like we'll run away together. We don't mm-hmm. need you know, like they can go. It can just be me and you. They can all die basically, but we can go. And if you spare me, then I'll just go with you, and we can be together basically. Um, and not a few, not not that long ago, and 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 has done the same thing, right? Yeah. Steven uh where she has where she's offering herself up saying hey it can be me and you uh, you're Bonnie and Clyde 
leave these kids alone. We can make more kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same type deal. Which also goes into the whole fact where Kim has laid herself off over the bed, right? Just like her mom. It's mm -hmm. a very boring situation where it's like, oh, okay, she's kind of, they're both kind of playing the role of the kind of, of, of um, like power moves with like kind of what using what they got to kind of get what they want in, in the instance of being a female type deal. So it's, it's interesting, the dynamic of Anne and Kim. Yeah, and it's it is like you you know pointed out the the parallels between mother and daughter because that also adds on to the tension that they have you know with each other because yeah. you see when um, you know Anna gets frustrated with Kim she slaps her right, right? like there <laughs> there is that tension there between mother and daughter but they also parallel each other a lot in the ways that they recognize that this is the position that they have, you know, in society and the, the best way for them to continue to navigate it um, is to, you know, offer their bodies and what they can do for the males and, and you know, right. The males in their life. Oh gosh, Steven is a pain in the butt. If I was, I know it's Steven to make this decision, but if I was Anna, I would have offed him a long time ago. Be like, is that fair? Eye for eye. I took over, I took initiative. <laughs> like, he can go. But I love the, like, the slow unveiling of the full scene yeah. here. Like, with they the camera. They do a lot in these. They, in it gives context to like what's going on and kind of like on this on scale of what's happening mm -hmm. I, I think the kind of reveal of the scene it makes the actual happenings in the scene more dramatic and with okay hear me out here and if I butcher any type of you know biblical references don't hold it against me. I left the church a while ago. Um, <laughs> but before, before Jesus was sacrificed, right? Like before he had to sacrifice himself. Did they wash him? Yeah. They washed him. They're the washing way. Bob in this scene. Yep. Yep. Ooh, I say, but did you freeze on me? I did. I did. And you did too. Did okay. you say why you were frozen? <laughs> no. Like, I was like, did they, you know, the washing of, you know, before they, he they yeah. did a whole, it was a whole cleansing thing yes. um, before he got the crown of thorns. Like they yeah. did a whole cleansing thing. Like he didn't, he wasn't nailed to the cross uh, nasty. He was yeah. nailed to the cross yeah. in a very pure way, um, you know, just like a kind of a traditional uh, sacrifice and I and and this is this is this holds true to all the sacrifice so even if we're talking about the biblical sacrifices mm -hmm. we're talking about Greek mythology sacrifices all those sacrifices uh that were presented in a very pure way washed um usually wearing all white um mm -hmm. pure in the sense of of what they were when they were offered up to whatever deity was wanting them to be sacrificed yeah and then, you know, we're in this current scene where, you know, Bob starts bleeding from his eyes. And yeah. uh, 
Kim notices it and the way that she announces, it's like, mom, dad, mom's dying. <laughs> like, yeah, very monotone. monotone. It's, it's like, oh, this thing can't go fast enough so we can move on with life. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Bob is, Bob is dying. Bob's dying. Bob's dying. Right. Just yeah. thought you should know. Um, let yeah. me get my regularly scheduled activities. Like, right. um, somebody come clean his stuff because he's bleeding all over the place. He's about yeah. to die. This so is the last age before he dies. Um, and does Bob look like he's already accepted? And oh, uh, I think so. I I think that he when the bleeding. So this is my theory, and I have not read anything on this, but I think once the bleeding of the eyes start happening, mm -hmm. um, it is kind of a sense of, uh, it represents like kind of the letting go of certain things, um, um, you know, kind of like crying, crying, letting go of certain emotions and stuff, um, you know there is some, some people say it is very good to just cry to get it out um and so I think when since the bleeding of the eyes is like kind of the last thing before you before you die it's kind of like the pen like kind of like kind of a bodily cleanse of everything representation of kind of getting rid of everything so mm -hmm. That's my own theory. I don't know how true that is, but it is my theory. I agree with that. We're getting to the part where we have, um, we have Stephen preparing each of the family members, um, you know, to die. I mean, to like kind of while he kind of idly spins around I know we talked about this this is very um he has the the his little knit cap on he's gonna pull that over his eyes and he's gonna spin around and idly like shoot at some spot so kind of like musical chairs and wherever he stops he's gonna shoot <laughs> Uh, but he already kind of knows, I mean, you know, other than like, you know, his disassociation, but it's very, um, to me, it still, it just shows like, ah, such a hard thing to watch. Cause it's like, you can yeah. easily kill yourself. Like you could just easily sacrifice yourself for the family. Mm -hmm. um, but he and does. And I think, cause I, I had brought this up and like I said, yes, I know I'm on my hashtag, fuck Steven. Cause I was like, I, I think he knew where Bob was sitting. Okay, this family is, is terrible except for Bob. He knew where Bob was sitting. Okay, yeah. and him just taking off his cap cause you can probably still see a little bit from under it. I'm just saying, probably still see a little bit from under it. And you knowing where everybody is, is seated. I think it should have been randomized where he shouldn't have been able to see. I know he has to put the covering on their faces and all of that, but he should have told them to move around somewhere. I don't know. Um, probably wouldn't have worked logistically, but in my mind, it works. 
and I just I just thinking you were my, my dude Bob was Bob never stood a chance yeah. um, but I, I love the tension in this scene like you said it's just like he looks so clumsy with this rifle and he's just spinning around right and you know he shoots he stops and you know he shoots and you know in this final time that he fires his gun he shot Bob and he takes off his his cap and notices Bob bleeding and I said he looked a little relieved he did he looked he actually he looked a lot relieved actually I'm looking at it now and I'm like huh he looked a little (laughs) you know like at least I picked the child that was going that was looking to die like but to me it's like it, it doesn't this doesn't follow good logic because if he would have killed one of the other family members then mm. bob would have lived so yeah. it's not like it would have continued to like happen until he died like bob would have actually lived so it's like the but i think it's like you say like he was relieved that it all happened because yeah. they didn't they weren't really fucking with bob like that so in the first place yeah they weren't poor guy rest in peace bob um family okay like uh, i'm just saying my guy deserved a better family but i i love this ending scene because i i had we had noted something the last time we had talked we and did. they're back at this diner okay it ends where it started kind of um back at this diner um and martin's also there but he's not sitting at the tables the way that he used to he's sitting on the counter and right the family, and it's it's anna steven and kim and you know the scene is going back and forth with you know anna and um not anna with kim and uh, martin looking at each other right so, the realization of Okay, this is what's happened. Clearly, there's a missing member of the family. Um, our debt is paid. <laughs> We're good now. So. But it's interesting that ain't nobody else eating except Kim. Kim is yeah. fucking food up like Martin would. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with no kind of remorse. It don't seem no. like she's remorseful at all. Last time we talked, you kind of was like, did was Kim in on it <laughs> I think she was I, I think you know with just her her certainty that even when he puts that um you know puts the covering over her where he's preparing to you know whichever family member he shoots there's there it doesn't seem like she's very fearful about what's to happen because she's very certain that it's not going to happen to her and we see in this final shot that she's smirking that bitch is smirking right she is smirking okay. I'm Bob, good, solid. <laughs> she knew. Born in my side, and now he is gone. Yeah. But RIP Bob. And we have playing at the you know end of the scene is the Saint John Passion, um that piece. Yep. Uh, it's playing during the final scene, and I was trying to figure out is it also playing in the beginning of the movie? Ah uh, no, I think that was a different song i want to okay. say that was a song. um i guess we could look it up we don't have to guess 
I was trying to figure it out because it's about you know the, like we mentioned in the beginning the passion of the the Christ the sacrifice for the greater good of the family um and it's you know I just love the way that it it just kind of ends there with the swelling of the music and it gets louder and you know we see the end <laughs> the end screen there saying the killing of the sacred deer and we're at the end of it and we're, trying, we're at the end of the movie the movie's done um bob that's all i ever think about when i watch this okay so maybe it was hold on let me look at the end you want my uh, track elevator music as you look uh no i i got the music right here i'm just looking to see if it was the same song oh no i was uh, trying to give elevator music um but uh, once again Trying to interfere into my trap elevator music business. Um, and it's okay. Still I rise to save us. Still I rise. It's fine. Uh it 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 was not the same. It was not the same song. It was um it was a different song. And I can't even the, the song. That's why I can't, that's not my not gonna say it but it was a different song all right but, i mean but it was you know what but this song the first song was had something to do with with jesus because it's jesus christ us swapped amped it's a german something okay oh, it up i don't want to mess it up it's really nervous. a german no. like not the same song but they have similar uh, uh, it's by Franz Schubert, which okay. is a, a German um, composer. But yeah. Okay. Um, very interesting though. But yeah. So it opens and bookends with these, you know, two musical um, kind of classical musical scores or uh, music compositions that reference, you know, Jesus. I'm, I'm curious if it's... Um, what the full reference is in that beginning song but the saint john's passion is about you know the passion of the christ and the sacrifice of of jesus and i i love that the music itself tells the the story that we're about to see um and how all of that unfolds yes so, i agree how I did you feel about this movie um so i really i love killing of a sacred deer it is like it's gotta be and so first of all psychological horror is my favorite genre hands down um you know i get a lot of crap for that sometimes because a lot of the movies that i like are is very they're very weird and bizarre because they're mm -hmm. psychological horror but i think the psychological i like i like the fact that I, it makes me think that's mm -hmm. what i like about psychological horror versus slashers or some of the other genres where mm -hmm not a lot of thinking like some of the movies are you know are symbolic in a way where you have to think through them but some of them are just pure fun and those are yeah. cool every 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 horror genre has its place right but i think psychological horror which we have an influx we've had an influx of that in the last few years i think for several reasons one is because um you know of course we in this era where we're actually suffering from a pandemic, something that we have not suffered from uh, since the flu pandemic happened years, years, years ago. Um, and we also have 
we also experienced a lot of other stuff in our society uh, like, you know, the, the, the riots when George Floyd was killed and uh, some of the other uh, atrocities uh, to the Black community and the Asian community and a lot of other stuff that has happened in recent years that has made us kind of uh, look at, um, you know, kind of absorb that and project things in horror like horror has done for so many years, um, mm -hmm. speaking social aspects that we're that people don't really talk about in other genres of of, of 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 film and so for me psychological horror is very important because of the fact that it does it it can say little things that makes you kind of think about stuff uh and gives you a different perspective on stuff so that's why i have a great appreciation for psychological horror so killing mm -hmm. here is like one it's probably it's not my favorite favorite but it's like in my top 10 of psychological horror films that if I was like talking to somebody and they were like, hey, what's the psychological horror film I could watch? I would automatically show the, like, cause Killing a Sacred Deer is scary as hell. Like it's, it's based off of this mythology folk folklore uh, that you wouldn't have any, you wouldn't have any kind of uh, perspective on unless you were a Greek method, uh, myth, uh, you know, uh, Greek mythology, uh, like nerd, like I was, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but it just gives you great perspective on kind of a different aspect of the eye from the eye where you hear about that in the biblical terms. And, you know, in the Western society, really big on the Bible. It's a very Christianized like society. And so a lot of people identify with the Bible. So you know that, but you don't know how that uh, applies in, uh, across other religions. And so I think that th it's very, um, it's a very, it's very scary in that aspect because religious <laughs> horror is kind of a more scary because it's more real to people. So that's what, yeah. that's what I think. I agree with that. And I, I love um, you know, psychological horror as well. Um, and I, I really do love the killing of a sacred deer because it's not your jump scare type of horror, right? Like it's the type of horror, like you said, something that makes you think and then you can be able to place yourself in that particular situation. Like, what would I do if I was faced with this choice? Or what would I do if I have to, you know, like the mistakes of the father, if I have to be the, the you know, the sacrifice for the mistakes that, you know, my parents or uh, those who have come before me have made, and I have to be the one to, to basically absolve my family or absolve other people for the mistakes that they have made. So that kind of thing is, it's really scary, right? Because you're, you're kind of having these questions over your own mortality and the, the value of your life and how do you value other people's lives? And can you even have that type of discussion <laughs> in valuing people's lives? And does you, you know, having more accolades or being more intelligent in this, in whatever, however metric it's, it's you know, measured, um, does that mean that I, you have more value than me that someone who doesn't have all of those things? So it's just kind of those questions that are really terrifying to think about, like, what would I do in this sort of situation? Um, and obviously we see in one way that a family is dealing with it, where the mistakes, you know, the sins of the father are paid for by, you know, their son, and they feel like that absolves them and, and an innocent person had to die for somebody else's, you know. Um, the consequences that somebody else had to face. So I really like, I really, really like The Killing of the Sacred Day. I think it's probably my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos film. I do enjoy the favorite, um, but I, I, I really do like this one because it's so off-putting and I have to buy into the world that he's creating. And then once you buy into it, I'm like, all right, I'm completely on point. 
and the fact that we've talked about it for like 10 hours now <laughs> if you think about today and the other day yeah. we have talked about it for quite a lot it was um, it's been a long time yeah it's been a long time and I'm like there's still more to say because we're noticing scenes like the scene where we're like this man was naked when did this happen <laughs> right <laughs> he's on his chair you know ass cheeks all out not even a towel nothing but you know I, I love that every time you watch it there's something new that you you pick up and you can have further expansive conversations about so I do really enjoy this movie yeah and um so I really like uh, if we're talking about this director specifically I really like the lobster too it's not a horror but it's a long it does follow the same lines of kind of weirdness and bizarreness that the killing of a sacred deer kind of follows basically mm-hmm. you know the the, the, synop- the the short synopsis is they have the people have to kind of pick a mate with a certain time frame or they gonna die or basically you know so kind of like that uh, following the same kind of sentiment of like the lobster the animal like as far as the life cycle and stuff so <laughs> it's a very interesting type deal so uh he's a very interesting director period so um, I think, uh, and yeah, I, I can dig it. He has uh, this killing, killing sacred deer is, uh, uh, I think, is a classic. It's it yeah. will be. It's not a classic already. It will be a classic. This is like one of those movies that will kind of have a cult following, kind of like Midsummer, um, yes. in my opinion. So, I agree with that. Plus, as we mentioned in the beginning, we are a twenty-four sluts. So is there some bias in us calling a lot of A24 stuff classics? Who the fuck care? Okay. They make good shits. Some of it doesn't always land, but this one did. So we're very self-aware A24, you know, whores. Um, At this point, they need to give us like a promotional thing because the amount of time people, yes, I'm an A24 slut. I don't know what you want me to do about it. Um, It's just who I am good shit. Um, but I, I agree with that. I think, uh, especially because I know a lot of people are getting a little tired about the whole kind of psychological horror thing. Like sometimes when you get a horror where you have to keep thinking, but I, I do love that they have this particular lane that they, they stick to and it's, it's different. Um, it's psychological horror, but in, in different type of forms and different kind of social messages that are, um, kind of you know that are explored within the the films that they're put, like putting out so I think that's a that's pretty dope yes but this was lovely I love talking to you Aseva I don't I tell you that it was fun let's do it again I know yes we will do it again maybe we can do another A24 movie that we can um that we can do and I because these are fun to kind of analyze I love like talking through it I really like the like kind of the um the movie commentary with the movie playing in the background gave them live kind of as things are going on where somebody could actually cut on the movie and go along with us we're watching it and kind of listening what we had to say so I really I really appreciated that so I this is a format that we can keep um so then that way we can just continue hopefully people like it hopefully they like grooved with it and it was great so 
love to do this again with you. Next movie we should do is a movie you told me is your favorite movie this year. Um, I think we should do Lamb. Um, I think that'll be. It is not in my favorite movie. I have a lot of gripes and complaints about that movie. And I, it was so disappointing because I went to the theater to see it. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What in the lamb chops is this? But mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you about it. We, I would love to like do a live. Uh, so maybe we do do that because it is something that I could probably get behind with uh, actually talk, like talking it <laughs> Um, I went on a lot of other like horror spaces and went after that and it was very surprising kind of what they had to say about it because I definitely had a differing opinion about it but uh, something that I could kind of we could uh, I'll be willing to watch it again even though I said I would not but I'll be willing to watch it again and just kind of uh, you know go through it with you know with you Sonny in that way you can experience it too because you have not seen it yet have you no i have not seen it yet i'm i'm planning on okay that's a lie but i will see it (laughs) for content i will see it if there is something to be gained maybe we could do like a you know my first watch so you having to okay great let's do that let's i would totally do that with you so you can do uh Lynn's first watch on this on Lamb and I can commentate and I can give them <laughs> this is yes, yes we can definitely do that I I would love to do that so yeah let's plan to do that maybe in January or something that would be fun because I think it's streaming now but I don't know if it's streaming for free so I don't want to have I mean I will pay for it but you know, we, maybe in January, it would be somewhere where it can be accessible to a, a, a greater amount of people where they wouldn't have to pay. So, yeah, I think it's it's just available to buy right now. I think so. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll wait to January and see what the deal is in January and then we'll go from there. But yeah, Lamb would be definitely the next one. And I think I want to also do Maybe the next one we do is the one I haven't seen, which is um, uh, what is that movie? John in the Hole? Was it? Hole? Is it John and John in the Hole? I watched. Okay, we could do a first watch with that because I have seen John in the Hole and I reviewed it for Sundance. I will keep my because I do not want to influence your opinion of the film. But if you follow me on Letterbox, you know exactly how I feel about John and his stupid hole. <laughs> but yes, we can do John in the hole. Okay. Um, let's see, is it available? Because I think it's I think it's on Paramount. No, I got Paramount. yeah, I think it's a, it's available to buy to rent uh for $3.99. So oh, I'll buy it. I can buy I'll yeah. buy it. Okay. We- we can That's- do that. Um, I will try to commentate. Um, if my commentating consists of, ugh, oh my god, I apologize in advance. But yes, we can do that, and we could. We should do Zodiac. Um, okay. I, I love me some Zodiac. That's my favorite, and I, I maintain that that is a horror film. Yes, I know it's listed as a thriller, but well, I- it's logical. Yeah. Um, and I would love to talk to somebody about that because that movie scares the shit out of me. Okay, no, I think it's a horror. So we can do Zodiac. So good. Okay, we got us a lineup of things we can do. First watches, 
it gives me something to kind of prepare for. That's wonderful. So yeah. I love Wait. once again. This was a pleasure, Asifa. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. Well, we are going to log off now, guys. We appreciate you sitting and listening to our con- commentary and our banter. Um, you know, make sure that if you're not following Afro Horror on all of the platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, I think uh, Twitter, Clubhouse, if you want to hear us again, because we are always on Clubhouse hosting rooms, um, and our other admin Afro Horror folks, they do rooms too, um, which is all throughout the week. And uh, you can listen to horror stuff. You follow the club, you become, well, not follow, you become a member of the club and then you can get notified. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff and content uh, that you can listen to all week. You don't have to wait until these podcasts come out or you can just get the content from Clubhouse. So um, do that. And uh, make sure you're reading our blogs on Afro Horror and everything and buying a merchandise. So we appreciate y'all listening to us and we're going to be signing off. So we appreciate you We will call it a day. So bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hempel for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at Afro Horror or on our website, www.afrohorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.